Hey guys, on today's episode I'm going to be rambling on about films. I'm going to be doing a film talk because you guys have been requesting this since the first time I actually started my podcast, but I finally got round to doing it and I've kind of split it into a few categories, talking about my favourite films and my best films and why those are different things, uh, recommendations for each genre and just my own personal take on films because I just love to believe that someday I will be a film critic. So let's get into it. So to first get into films, I found my passion for film and my love for film I think it was, it was literally only 2020 and it was kind of, I just started or was just going into year 12 and I was, I was quite low mentally and I kind of, I resided in my brother for the first time and he's a big lover in films. Like he's, he's a massive cinephile. He loves films. He's also a bit of a film bro, but we're not going to talk about that because it's a bit embarrassing to admit. Um, However, I kind of resided in him when I was quite low and he was like, look, let me give you some of my favorite films or my film recommendations watch them so we can talk about it so like we have something to talk about you can rate them whatever like that he gave me imdb which is great don't get letterboxd if you have letterboxd great but i don't like letterboxd i like imdb because it makes me feel really prestige anyway so my brother kind of he recommended me in the first films i remember watching which is really unfortunate to get into but i watched fight club <laughs> i watched Pulp Fiction, and I also watched Donnie Darko. They were the first three films that I watched when I first got into film, which is probably an unfortunate start to get into, you know, your film passion, whatever, unpopular opinion. But I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Because prior to that, my favourite films, and I'm not bashing them because I am going to mention them later on, my favourite films were Lady Bird, The Breakfast Club, like Clueless and stuff like that, which I do love because they're like comfort films. But they're what I thought like was the peak of cinema. Like I'd never watched anything that was artistically articulate or like a more of an art form than, you know, just a storytelling form, which I think that that is what Lady Bird Breakfast Club is. So I watched these films and I was like, oh my God, these are amazing. Like, do you have any more? He was like, yeah, of course. So then of course I even went deeper into the film bro phase and I watched Kill Bill, I watched Requiem for a Dream, Natural Born Killers, all of like the toxic male like films that you want to watch, like what's it called, like in Wolf of Wall Street as well. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I kind of, I'm happy that I watched those films first because I think they're an easy way to get into film as like a hobby or a passion or whatever, because it's like, it's your basic film bro films they're your basic films that you're going to watch if you want to start getting into film or if you just want to watch something that's like you know the top 100 movies all time which is most of them don't even deserve to be in there but that's another day's talk so I watched those and I was like great so then I started moving on to like okay I've as much as I want to carry on watching these top 100 films I don't like some of these you know I found out that I don't like westerns I wasn't really a major fan of dramas you know it's great because I got to find out my likes and preferences within film to then find out what genres I do like and then I found my favorite films and my best films so I'm going to talk about that I also want to apologize before I get into this episode about my voice and because I can't hear in my left ear for some reason I don't know what's happened but I can't hear a thing so if it sounds like I'm shouting or if it sounds like I have a cold because I have a cold and I'm also shouting so let's get into it. So the reason why I've said about the difference between my best films and my favorite films about a million times is because if somebody were to ask me like what are your top five best or no what are your top five favorite films or what are like the best films you've ever watched I would kind of I would say two different answers I'd give two different variations of my top five because I think that my favourite films are like my comfort films. They're films that I absolutely adore and I would be able to watch again all the time. But my top five, like the best films I've ever watched, they're films that like, I might not perhaps like watch again all the time, but I think that they're absolutely incredible and they're better than my favourite films, if you know what I mean, on a different art form for different reasons. You know, before when I was in my film bro phase, I apologise for that, but my... no not my favorite my best film was Requiem for a Dream which I don't think I could re-watch any more than once a year I'm not even gonna lie to you because it's just one of those films where it's just disturbing and depressing 
But it was one of my best films. It wasn't my favourite film. I wouldn't recommend it to someone as a comfort film, for sure. But it was one of the best films I've ever watched. So, to get into it, to start off with... Oh, should I do my favourite or my best films? Let's do my best films first. The best top five films I've ever watched. Okay, so starting off at number five, the best film I've ever watched is Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Now, when I first watched this, because I studied it for film... I hated it because I wasn't, I didn't understand the artistic expression and the context of time, which might bore you. I don't really know how far to get into this detail, but Alfred Hitchcock's work, it's either you love it or you hate it. He's one of the directors that you probably, you 100% will come across if you're trying to get into film or if you enjoy film, you'll definitely have heard of him because, you know, he was a, a revolutionary director. He changed the prospect of film entirely and that's that's my take it's a lot of people's takes but some people disagree but those people probably think that Christopher Nolan is their favorite director which great but (laughs) not my choice but number five is Vertigo because I just think the whole I think Alfred Hitchcock he has a lot of bad traits in his films which I don't like such as you know the blonde woman always being the villain spoiler but I think that Vertigo is just a beautiful film. The fact that it was the first film really in old Hollywood to have like the 15 minute long silent take. And the film, if you haven't heard of it, or if you have heard of it, sorry to bore you, it's about a a retired detective who he has vertigo syndrome because he falls down. No, he doesn't. He like, I don't want to spoil it for you. But he goes on a whole mission, like a secretive mission, trying to find out why his ex not his ex, his ex-friend from high, from high school? From, I'm explaining this really bad. His ex-friend from university's wife is kind of going a bit crazy, but then you find out, this is a spoiler if you haven't watched it, so skip it by 10 seconds, that his wife isn't actually his wife, and he has, the husband has killed his real wife, and the stand-in wife then falls in love with Scotty, but Scotty wants to be, wants her to be like the version that she was of, Elster's wife that was an awful explanation but that was a really bad number five but I don't really care moving on to number four now the number four best film I've ever watched this is probably like this is again probably an unpopular opinion but this is my opinion the number four best film I've ever watched is probably Carol by Todd Haynes now this is the only more modern film I say that but the second one is more modern modern film that I genuinely would consider perfect there are like three films that I consider perfect like genuinely and this one is one of them probably again because I did overanalyze it and I studied it but it's about it's an LGBT film about two women in the 1950s who of course 1950s oppressive society where you know, LGBT relationships were not allowed, you know, if if you were homosexual, it was abolished from society, whatever. And it's just such a beautiful way that Todd Haynes, the director, has articulated it within his film form, within the music choice. For example, one thing that I really love about this film is the fact that you only ever see them together in peace through a window shot in the car. You know, like, they can only be in a relationship and they can only be together when they're within walls, when they're restricted from society, when they're stripped away, which is, it's horrible, but it's beautiful. It's its a truly harrowing kind of perspective that you kind of learn of the 1950s and stuff like that. But it means a lot to me because it's, it's a comfort film, but also a beautiful film cinematically. I don't even know whether it's rated two, I think it's a 7.1 on IMDb, but IMDb, I feel like it's just the older generation of film bros that just hate women probably um but that was number four number three of the best films I've ever watched is I was really tempted to put this second but Francis Ha this is again another modern film I think this was 20 2013 or 2015 I have no idea but this film I love it because it's reminiscent of the French new wave like Francois Truffaut and Jean-Luc Godard you might have no idea what I'm talking about but the film is shot in black and white and it's it's starring Greta Gerwig who did Little Women and Lady Bird. So you can already tell that it's a beautiful film. But it's it's just a random film where nothing really happens. She's 
she's this woman in New York, she's trying to pave her way through life and she's in her mid-twenties to thirties and she's surrounded by all these like pretentious New Yorkers who think that they're like the shit and she has no idea what she's doing with her life and I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly Adam Driver is in this film so if you love Adam Driver this is another film to watch but it's a beautiful film because it's just about a woman who just doesn't really know what she's doing with her life she has no guidance she's kind of just like swimming not swimming but like gliding her way through life like it's just a straight path it's it's not really one it kind of reminds me of my year of rest and relaxation but without like the mental illness side um but I think it's just a beautiful film because it's just one way you can put it on and you don't even have to pay attention too much. Like nothing really happens, but I just think it's absolutely beautiful the way it's shot. And I think that any film in black and white, I'm like a little bit biased too because I love the old Hollywood and I love the French New Wave. I'm a big fan of Jean-Luc Godard, which moves me on to my second favourite film. No, best film is La Haine, which is a French film, late 90s, I believe it was. But I believe the context, at the time I didn't understand it, but then I spoke to someone on on Film Talk, who I'm friends with on TikTok, they kind of explained it to me, it was like the French uprising in the 90s of like the working class, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, I might be entirely wrong. Um, however, it's it's full of nothing again, like nothing really happens until kind of towards the end and I at first I was really done when I first watched it because I didn't put the subtitles on and I was like wait I'm not French so I don't understand a thing but towards the end there's like this big enigma and this big kind of like pff, resolution happens not really a resolution actually it's the conclusion and there is no resolution to the film but again it's in black and white I like how my my top three are in black and white I just I love old Hollywood I haven't even oh yeah I've included one one Hollywood yeah but moving on to number one of the best film I've ever watched. Three, two, one. Persona by Ingmar Bergman. I love Ingmar Bergman. Now, this is the best film I've ever watched because after watching The French New Wave and discovering people like um, Francois Truffaut, Jean-Luc Godard, um, you know, like the Cahiers du Cinema type directors, when I watched this film, it's... It, reminded me and it kind of gave me this like new outlook on film as an art form beforehand I would cinematically rate a film like you see on TikTok people rating them for their cinematography their use of sound you know characters pacing whatever the hell they're on about I don't really care about that stuff I just want to watch a good film but Persona it is an art piece it's truly an art form and it just reminds me of like a blank canvas from the start being painted on with just random stuff it's another black and white film um I believe it's I'm, I'm, I might be completely wrong again I believe it's Dutch or it's French I am no I'm so I haven't watched it in a long time but it's again one of those when nothing happens but it's about double identity of the central two characters and it's one of those en enigmatic films where you don't know whether the central two characters are the same people or are they different people, what actually happens in the end. And you have this exposition to the film where it's so weird. It's so weird. You have a woman in like a mental hospital, which is the central two characters. And then afterwards you have like a little boy looking at a projector screen of this up close shot of whether you know it's his mum or just this random woman. It's very strange. But to me, I love films where they are inspiring. It, there's nothing inspiring about it, but I mean, inspiring as in artistically. Like, I watch that film and I'm like, I want to create a piece of art. I can't draw for shit, but I would love, after watching that film, to draw something beautiful. Like, that film just reminds me of, like, if, if Picasso was, like, a film director, that reminds me of Persona. It's a beautiful film if you are interested in the arts, if you just want to watch something that's just it just kind of takes your breath away and you're kind of left at the end and you're like, what the hell just happened? That is one of the films. And I think it's just one of the best films because I just watched it and I was like, oh my God, that was amazing. Now onto my favourite films. And I could not narrow this down to five because I have quite a few and I have like one that I didn't add in, which is 
which is Ratatouille, but don't tell anyone, okay? I'm going to be really, really, like, articulate with my film choices. But this is my top, this is my top six of my favourite films that I could rewatch again. Now, starting this off quite mentally insane with number six is Rosemary's Baby, which is a horror film. Well, it's not technically a horror. I don't really get scared of horrors, which I'm going to talk about horrors in a minute. But it's also, unfortunately, by, what's his name? He's a diddler. Um... Oh my god, I can't remember his name, but he was married to the beautiful Sharon Tate. But Rosemary's Baby, it's one of my favourite films because, okay, I have a bit of, not nostalgia, but it was my, my nan's favourite film who passed away. And it was the the film that they, my nan and my granddad watched on their first date. And I remember I watched it with my mum and I was like, oh, this film is great. Like, it's wonderful because again, it's artistic, it's 60s, it has that 60s influence and Mia Farrow is in it, who I absolutely adore. If you don't know who Mia Farrow is search her up she's absolutely wonderful um but oh Roman Polanski that's the director he's a horrible person he's horrible um but I remember after I watched it and I like spoke to my granddad about it I was like oh I watched this really good film he was like oh my gosh I what you don't care anyway (laughs) and moral of the story I love that film because it's just it's weird and you don't even ever see the baby you don't ever see the baby which is the weird thing about it you get to the end of the two hours which I'm not a fan of films two hours or over but I made an exception and I'll talk about that in a minute okay I'll talk about it now I don't like films that are two hours or over because I think if you want to make a truly gripping story put it under two hours like I don't honestly understand like I get it if it was you know like the Snyder cut of um what's it called Justice League like I get that was four hours I did fall asleep watching it (laughs) But I get it, it was like the final cut. I get Endgame because like, you know what I mean, it's three hours, you need to finish off the whole universe of Marvel, whatever. But when films are over two hours, I just kind of think like, what's the need? Like if you want to make a truly gripping story, I usually think that they're like an hour and 45 minutes to two hours. And if it's anything over, I'm like, Jesus Christ. It puts me off. It puts me off when they're over two hours. Anyway, moving on to number five of my favourite films, Mulholland Drive, which is another, a little bit mentally deranged choice, but I'm not mentally all okay, so it's fine. Number five, Mulholland Drive. It is by, oh, it's by David Lynch again. I keep choosing, like, problematic directors. This is not good. But Mulholland Drive, Mulholland Drive, Mulholland Drive. How many times have I said that? I love that film because it's enigmatic and it's a psychological thriller and it kind of, it's a little bit of an, it kind of has this like weird kissing scene which isn't needed, which I kind of, I don't like that. It feels like Tarantino, like when there's just unnecessary nudity, but okay. Um, but Moreland Drive I love because it's weird and it's you don't know what's going on until you finish it and you like, it's one of those films where you get to the end and you're like, what the hell just happened? And you have to Google it. And after you Google it, you're like, whoa, that was amazing. That's kind of like the Babadook, which I'm, I'm sorry, I keep going on to different films. But Mulholland Drive, wonderful film. If you want to watch a film where it's all about like going into Hollywood and becoming an actor and the struggles of being, not struggles of being an actor because it's quite glamorised. But it it's a double story because the start of it, it's very, very romanticised. It's this beautiful, beautiful version of this woman travelling to Hollywood and becoming a big actor and getting in the scene of acting. And the second half is spoiler alert um it's the same woman but she's not actually the actor it's all about the other woman that's in it and it's kind of she thinks she's the other woman and it's kind of confusing but it's it's a wonderful film it's a wonderful film if you want to get into something artistic but also kind of gripping number four rear window another alfred hitchcock film because i love alfred hitchcock's work apart from the birds i'm sorry but i hated the birds i'm so sorry but it was so boring but rear window i love that film there's something about it which is like a comfort film like i could put that film on at any time of the year i could put it on in summer winter autumn spring however many seasons there are i don't even know and it's just it's just a wonderful film because it's basically set where this guy, he's, it's the same guy from Vertigo, Scotty from Vertigo, he's in this one, I can't remember his name in it, but he's in a wheelchair in his apartment, and he, like, you follow this, not the story of everybody else in this kind of building thing, where you see them through their windows, there's a, there's a dancer, there's an old man and his wife, and he witnesses a murder, and there's a beautiful Grace Kelly in it, oh, she's wonderful, Grace Kelly's in it, and he kind of, he, 
sees this guy murdering his wife and then the guy sees him and then he's trying to hide from him and it's a bit of a thriller a bit of a you know typical Alfred Hitchcock crime thing whatever but I love that film number three is her by who is this by I, 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 I don't, I'm not going to say the wrong person because that would be really embarrassing. But the film Her with Joaquin Phoenix in, Scarlett Johansson, or Johansson, I don't know. Um, they're in it. And it's a wonderful film. It's such a beautiful film. If you are mentally unwell, like me, it's basically a film about a guy. He's, I can't tell whether he's depressed. It, it's a bit of a depression film. But it's in this futuristic world. But it's not too futuristic. It's It's essentially based now, but like there's this online robots he can speak to and he just has this really dull life which he's sick of and he falls in love with his ai called samantha and it's this kind of it's beautiful but peculiar of whether you even need human connection anymore and i have a film rating of this up on my instagram but it's really strange because as much as you're kind of you're gripped and you're hooked along with this wonderful relationship between samantha and I can't remember his name in it. You kind of have to pull yourself back and realise that, like, hang on a minute, she is computer-generated. She's not real. Like, this version of this woman that he's falling in love with isn't real because he's romanticising it and he's making out as if she is only his. He becomes attached to her and he consistently tries to get hold of her and get her attention to only find out that, like, she isn't just his. And that's not a spoiler, that's kind of a hint. But... I don't know whether it's the subtlety of like when people get whisked away by this idea of social media and the idea of technology to the point where we avoid human communication so much that we believe we have this relationship with technology, which is very strange. Anyway, moving on to number two of my favourite films is Amelie by... Oh my God, how have I just forgot who's this by? Amelie by... Oh, Jean-Pierre Junet. I'm so sorry if I have to butcher that. I'm not French. Jean-Pierre Junet. If that's any better, probably not. But Amelie, oh my gosh, is such... It's the biggest comfort film you could ever watch in your whole life. And I'm not even saying that, like, lightly. Because I've watched a lot of films like The Breakfast Club or... I don't know, what are other comfort films? I don't know, like Marvel films, Lady Bird, whatever. But Amelie is the greatest comfort film. It's a French film. I think you can tell that I love French films. But it's a French film, it's, I believe it's 90s or it's early 2000s, I can't remember. But it's about this this beautiful, beautiful woman who, she's got this wonderful mind and everything in her life is colourful and it's decorative and it's just so wonderful to see someone so happy and joyous. And the story is kind of told, it's told artistically, like you have this really cool introduction and expose into her life from when she was younger to like now and it's just really strange because it's I remember there's this really, really poignant part in the film, which I used in the inspiration for my short film, where it goes from a shot of like a car driving past and it's like this fly landing on this car. And then the next shot is like Amelie being born at the same time with this fly landing on this car. Like it's just it's random and it follows this woman where she's she has these she has these mystery interactions with this guy but she lives in this beautiful apartment in France and she takes care of this other guy. Like, there's lots of mini stories. I was going to say microcosmic stories, but that's not even a word and it's not even related. But mini stories in this film, but it's so colourful and it's so happy and it's there's no sadness to it. It's just so heartwarming. Like, if you were ever ill, like me, I would sit and watch Amelie with a bowl of soup and bread and butter and a hot chocolate on like a full day. Like that sounds absolutely wonderful to me. My favourite film of all time. Ah, oh, I don't know whether this is even my favourite film of all time. But I'm going to mix these all together. Amelie and this one. Gentlemen prefer blondes. Okay, but with Marilyn Monroe, who I absolutely adore. I believe it's directed by Charles Coburn. I don't know whether that's just, he's starring in it, I don't know. But... It's Marilyn Monroe and Jane Russell who are like two of my favourite kind of old Hollywood... When they do Hollywood? I don't know. I can't tell between the differences in the timeline. But I believe this was on the cusp of new Hollywood. But starring Marilyn Monroe who's... In my in my perspective the most beautiful woman to ever have graced the earth. And I believe that she was so talented. If I could ever be like anyone, which no one can ever be like Marilyn Monroe. Because she's you know, one in one in 
never. She's just the most wonderful woman. But Gentlemen Prefer Blondes is the, one of the ultimate comfort movies too because it's it's kind of a musical and it's upbeat and it's just happy and it's about these two beautiful women who like go on a cruise and Marilyn loves Diamonds. It's where um, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend song is from. And she's on this boat and like she wants to stay with her rich husband but she also met this guy called Piggy who's really rich and she wants to get the diamonds but his wife finds out and she needs to give them back it's just fun it's upbeat it's a, I think it, I think it's only an hour and a half which is great it's just where you can put it on and you can just chill and just have like a it's a perfect film for a self-care night now I want to get into little tiny like not genres, but like little subtitles of film recommendations. I want to get into ones where watch if you're sad, if you're happy, or important films that everybody needs to watch, or artistic films, or films if you want to like see people in love, or just random films for like a rainy day, snowy day, summer day, whatever like that. Films for random scenarios. Now, my films that are ultimately when I feel like in a romance mood, if I want to move, mood, if I want to watch a romantic film or like I want to just watch people in love, the top films that I would watch. Now, I only watched this the other day, but I watched Before Sunrise and then I watched the whole trilogy. It's a trilogy of films, but I would recommend just watching the first one. And it has Ethan Hawke in and I can't remember the lady's name, but she's very beautiful. And it's about this woman and this guy who meet on the train. They're both reading. It's it's this perfect romanticised version of, I think, of, like, how everybody wants to fall in love with their significant other. But they meet on the train when they're both reading. And he's like, get off the train with me. Like, I really like talking to you. Like, why don't you just come to Vienna with me for the night? And she's like, okay. And it's literally set over one night. And she goes to Vienna with him and it's just such this this beautiful unravelling of this possibility and this prosperity of love that they have. And it's so incredibly beautiful. It's almost unreal, like, how incredibly awe-inspiring their love is. And because it's set over one night, you kind of, you get to the end of the film and you don't want it to end because you're like, no, like, what is it going to do? Like, what's going to happen? And it's whether they meet again in six months' time. You don't know, of course, till you watch the next film. But it's a really renowned romance film because when I was watching it, I was like, I wonder if this is scripted. It's so realistic. It's possibly the, one of the best acting performances from both of them, I've, from anyone I've ever seen. It's so realistic. You're just watching it and you're like, hang on a minute. I wonder if this is like, you forget that it's filmed but it's a beautiful romance film and it does end well. It doesn't end on a bad note, so you're not going to be heartbroken. But a film that you want to watch for romance if you want to be a little bit sad at the end is La La Land. Now, I put off watching this film for a while because I used to not really be a fan of musicals and I'm not a major fan of musicals, apart from Rocky Horror Picture Show. But I watched this film and it's, it is beautiful and it's directed by the same guy who did um, Whiplash, uh, Damien Chazelle and it's this beautiful soundtrack it's these two individuals one of them the guy is played by Ryan Gosling who is a wonderful actor he always plays sad characters though me and my brother always say that it's really good he's a wonderful actor um, and of course Mia who is played by <gasps> Emma Stone I love Emma Stone with all my heart I love her if I could ever be like an actor I'd be like her I'd always try and act like her she's wonderful I never will though. <laughs> um, but it's about these two individuals. He's really into music. He wants to open up his own bar, like a jazz bar. And she really wants to be an actor. And you see the struggle from both of them, like trying to navigate how to get into their dream lives. And you see kind of the clash of like meant to be like, oh, right person, wrong time trope. Is that right? Yeah. If you like that trope, which I don't like it. No, I love it secretly. <laughs> but if you like that trope, this is the film for you. Because you don't know, like, whether it's going to end up well or end up bad. But there's... I'm not going to spoil it for you in case you haven't watched it. However, I am going to spoil it for you. Three, two, one. Spoilers. So, of a course... Of a course. I think it's so incredibly beautiful because it's so realistic. And it has this beautiful unravelling of the fact that they don't end up together. It's not this romanticised version of love where they always end up getting... Where the guy gets the girl and the girl gets the guy. And they end up getting married and have babies and have kids and have babies and have kids same thing 
but I like how there's this harsh cut and it is a harsh cut it's straight from I remember it's a close-up of them at the bench like talking about it and the camera kind of pans off into this distant extreme long shot of LA to then it's a harsh cut straight back into like the both of them not the both of them but them individually in however many months time I can't remember how much it said there was a there was a tableau a tableau yes it was a tableau um of how long it was but they don't end up being together but it's this it's this knowing gaze this longing gaze which is so crucial to like romance films in cinema where she sat in his bar with her new husband but she's made it as an actor and he's made it as this guy with his jazz bar and he's sat playing the piano and he just looks over to her and this story replays of perhaps them not working out or them working out and it's just this gaze between both of them where it's like I'm happy for you but this hurts like we've got what we we've both got what we want like this is absolutely incredible but it's not the way that we wanted it to be but that's okay and it broke my heart I had no words I was numb it was really bittersweet because it's you see them getting all their dreams but they're not getting it together the most films I've rated on IMDb is psychological and like thrillers and stuff like that and I would say that the best ones that I've kind of watched, which is probably like, it's a popular opinion, but these are just like my favourite ones I've watched. Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream. I would say Black Swan because it's just, it's well, I've watched that film like 10 million times. It's bloody amazing. I love it. Like that's my dream role if I wanted to be an actor. And it's also wonderful cinematography, acting, everything like that. And it's just an incredible ending as well because it's not one of those films where you get the perfect like happy ending, whatever, and, and that's like a given for psychological films. Um, but I believe that film is it is really popular anyway, so you probably know what I'm talking about. But moving on to Requiem for a Dream, the film is disturbing. It's it's quite disturbing. It's not it's not like horror film disturbing, but it's just like psychologically disturbing. And I think it's it's also I really like that film because again it has a lot of symbolism the two central characters relationship it's you know she has these all these hopes and dreams and she has these talents but when she meets him and she becomes entangled in this relationship with him you see her life kind of spiral out of control and she gets completely engulfed in his lifestyle too which is drugs and everything like that and she gets entirely ruined by him and in the end you know spoiler but course they don't end up together and she ends up having to do these horrible horrible heinous things to be able to get by and she loses all hope of you know doing this stuff with fashion and and he ends up in prison and he ends up dying over overdose or whatever like that but it's again one of those arty kind of art it's not art house film but I just think it's wonderful because it has incredible montage sequences of fast cuts which highly inspired my short film also of like the drug taking and then how the mums got involved and it's Ellen Burstyn I believe her name is but she gave an incredible performance in this but it's very trippy like you watch it and you're kind of because you get so engulfed in the three different stories in the film which is Shannon Jennifer Connolly I was gonna say it was Sharon Connolly Jennifer Connolly is one story of course Jared Leto and then Ellen Burstyn they're three kind of different stories you get engulfed and you get connected to these characters even though they're not very good people and once you're entangled in the character that Alan Burstyn plays, you're like, oh my god, she's very mentally unwell. Like, I feel really bad for her. Like, oh god, this is spiralling out of control. And then you have a harsh cut directly to a fast-paced montage sequence of also Jared Leto spiralling out of control. And then next to Jennifer Connelly's character spiralling out of control. And it's one of those films where it's very mentally... It's, it's, it's mentally deranged. It's one of those films where it's just completely and entirely effed up. Like all the stuff that happens in it, it's kind of like Jesus Christ like it feels like you are going insane but it's also one of those where it also feels surreal it feels like you are locked away from your own brain and you're watching this in like a white room on like an old-fashioned tv with nothing in there it's just a very strange feeling that you get from the end of the film before I go into the final ones which are horrors and important films I want to talk about random comfort films because these are important for when you have a bad mental health day or if you just want to watch a good film in autumn. These are specific to autumn or summer. The first one is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Now, you've probably already heard of this because I only actually watched this the other week, but it's like an LGBT musical film in, I can't remember whether it's the 70s or the 80s. 
I believe it was the 70s. I'm not 100% sure, though. Um, but I believe it was a great movement for LGBT people. It was kind of the first film that openly discussed and expressed, like, sexuality and queerness, which is wonderful. And it's just strange and wacky. It's futuristic, but also very retro. You know, you have the whole thing of, like, aliens. And it's just so camp. It, it's the campest film that I've ever watched. It's just absolutely wonderful to watch because it's just, if you've had a bad day, put it on. You don't have to pay full attention to it because it's bright and it's colourful and it's it's just it's just everything. The set design, the costume design. It's not directly like a an incredible plot line. It's not like a clear outline of like, you know, start to finish, whatever. But, you know, it's camp. It's a camp film. What else could more could you want? Uh, another comfort film, Little Miss Sunshine. And, like, Juno, those films kind of reminded me of each other. But Little Miss Sunshine, just a great film. It's just funny. It's also a little bit dark, but it's wonderful. I believe it's on Disney+. Plus. So if you want to watch that, definitely watch that. It's got Steve Carell, um, Paul Dano, who everybody loves, um, Tony Collette. I can't remember who else is in it. But it's just, it's just a wonderful, feel-good film. It's about they go on, like, a road trip to, like, a pageant show and just everything goes wrong. But it's absolutely hilarious. Um, another comfort film, 500 Days of Summer. Now, this is another romance film, but it's not directly like a happy romance towards the end. But I put off watching it for quite a while. I saw it like advertised on Disney Plus again because I was like 500 Days of Summer because I thought like summer as in the the season. But summer is the name of the girl character in it who's played by Zoe Deutsch. No, it's Zoe Deutsch. Not Zoe Deutsch. She's in I'm I'm Okay. No, I'm not okay or something. I don't know. But Zoe De Chanel, if that's how you say it. And what's the other guy's name? He's Dilf. I can't remember his name. But it's where it's kind of this weird romanticized film bro version of like falling in love. And it originally starts with like, I love the Smiths. And he's like, sorry, I love the Smiths. You know, that audio from TikTok. And he shits himself because she, she loves the Smiths. Of course, it's written by a man. Can you tell? Um... <laughs> But it's the 500-day process of, like, falling in love with her. But she doesn't reciprocate it back. And he, like, he hates her for it. Even though she explicitly said, like, I don't want a relationship. But, of course, he's like, oh, my God, you are the villain of this story. But, you know, it's a feel-good movie. I like it because it's just, it's easy to watch. It's one of those early 2000s films where it's just like, yeah, you know what, put it on. It's not really a great cinematic experience, but it's a good film. Another feel-good film is Breakfast Club and Dirty Dancing. Now, 80s movies, as I've said many times, are not... Okay, unpopular opinion, 80s movies, not cinematically good. Name one cinematically good 80s movie, apart from, like, Blade Runner, probably, but I didn't even really like that film, that are, like, directly incredible films. You can't really name many. However, 80s films are the epicentre of comfort films. 80s is just full of comfort films, such as, like, The Breakfast Club and also... What other 80s films are there? Comfort films? Dirty Dancing, for God's sake. I've already said that. Breakfast Club, everybody's watched that. If you haven't watched it, watch it. I think it's on Netflix. If not, I don't know where else it is. But it's just, like, a stupid 80s teen movie. It's wonderful. Dirty Dancing. It's Patrick Swayze. Swayze? I don't really know how to pronounce his name. But it's just wonderful, feel-good film, dancing and a little bit of music, whatever. It's just reminiscent of a time that I wasn't even born. A time that I was born like 24 years before. But it's still amazing. I feel like after watching Stranger Things and like our generation falling in love with Stranger Things, I think that now there's going to be a big rise in 80s films. So you may as well get started with the basics, which are The Breakfast Club and Dirty Dancing. Films that I would recommend if you wanted to get into film as an art form to kind of start seeing it that way. I would say to research the works of the Kaiju Cinema um, directors, which was a magazine in France in the 60s, which kind of the main two people that I kind of take inspiration from are the ones I've said about a million times, Francois Truffaut and Jean-Luc Godard, who did Vivre Seville, um, A Woman is a Woman, uh, Breathless... And everything like that. And then once you've kind of watched the French New Wave films of the 60s. Viva Sevilla is my personal favourite from the French New Wave. Which is like 
The French New Wave was breaking out of old Hollywood, boring conventions, which they called old fogey cinema. Um, they took major inspiration from Alfred Hitchcock because his films, of course, of the time were seen as like a breakthrough artistically and unconventional. And once you kind of get into the French New Wave directors, um, you'll also kind of then see the similarities if you've watched Quentin Tarantino's films because he takes major inspiration from Jean-Luc Godard. You know, the use of placards between, which is from Brecht, if you do drama, um, but the use of placards and tableau, which is the on-screen kind of, like, telling. You know, like, Quentin Tarantino does it when he's, like... Oh, what does he say? I don't know whether Quentin Tarantino... I haven't watched his films in quite a while, whether it's, like, two weeks later or the date or the kind of the title of the episode, where it's episodic narrative, where it's split up into episodes um but once you kind of get into those you'll also kind of get into other french cinemas such as like la piscine i'm really sorry my french is awful but you'll just get into so many wonderful things and then you can kind of get into the 60s films like the graduate which is one of my favorite films of all time or anything like that and then you may even venture back to old hollywood watch great classic hollywood films like double indemnity metropolis which is 1920s film and then you can get into silent films such as buster keaton uh the main ones for of his to watch are the scarecrow um one week he does like shorts black and white and i think that it's wonderful and also if you look back to old hollywood it's quite misogynistic and it's quite sexist the way that they treated the female actors actresses um, but also in that kind of the, the roles that they were given and they were designated to these damsel in distress, whatever. But if you look back, interestingly, to silent cinema like Buster Keaton, um, I can't, I don't think it was Clara Bow in his films, but the the women in his films, in one of them, which was one week, she was put front and centre of the film. You know, unconventionally, she was a leading lady in these silent films and, you know, they explored sexuality. You know, there's one clip in one week where his wife is in the bath and it's kind of like um, hinting and referencing to perhaps she's nude, oh God, which you would not have seen until about the 60s and 70s from then because of old Hollywood, the, um, the Hayes Code. If you want me to go into more detail about that, I'd love to. Um, which kind of just restricted um, directors uh, and actors and everything like that to make sure that they didn't show any, um, what's it called? Any sexuality, any kind of cheating. I can't remember the exact codes, but it was just everything like that. Like if you watch um, Singing in the Rain, the, the two characters that are in a relationship, you don't even know they're in a relationship because they barely even hold hands in the film. The Hayes Code was that restricting. If you want to know more about it, just let me know because I'd love to speak about it. But those are kind of the films I would recommend if you want to get into film as an art form. Films I think are quite important to a modern day audience or like our generation, whatever's going on now, are probably promising young woman, men and beautiful boy. And these are probably, they're three quite like... um they're of course they're probably they're not telling the story of everybody in society because they are white character dominated films um however i haven't unfortunately branched out to many other educational films which i do want to watch um however promising young woman is kind of the harrowing tale of the woman in modern society who dares to stand up to to the man and of course we have we kind of see her in power when she is taking down these disgusting men but all in all in the end we kind of get the message that like no matter how far feminist feminism moves forward we never really will move forward with the modern day man and that is so true um men i haven't personally watched it it's a recent film by a24 um, it's about the the audacity of men. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's about this woman who breaks up with her ex-husband. Um, she goes to England for like a retreat and stays in this like old manor. And the guy who owns it is creepy. She walks around, she gets followed by creepy men. She gets creepy comments, creepy looks by men. She goes to the pub and there's creepy men. It's, it's a male dominated film purely to tell the tale of how fearful women can be of men, how genuinely scary men can be, whether that's through their own fault or not. But I personally haven't brought myself to bring, brought myself to watch it <laughs> yet because I, I don't think I will because I don't, I think I, that's one of the, I'm very into horror films, but I feel like that will be a film that will genuinely just make me really, really scared. 
another film that I recommend people to watch is Beautiful Boy. Now I've read the book of this one and I like to read the book before I watch the film and me personally I do prefer the book because the book is of course the tale of Nick who is a, a drug addict um, and his dad who like constantly is there to kind of take him back and try and save him and he keeps on relapsing. The book is entirely from Nick's dad's perspective which I think is beautiful because it gives this really really raw um, take on drug abuse and it's not romanticised the film isn't romanticised however I think of course people kind of get swept away by the fact um, it's Timothy Chalamet who I think is he's absolutely incredible actor I think he's one of the greatest actors of our generation um, however I think maybe in the film people kind of get swept up with the idea that it's like it's mainly about Nick and you never really see his dad's reaction whereas the book is more about his dad's kind of impact which I think is I personally prefer the book. However, I think the the film is beautiful. And if you want to watch a film that kind of educates you on the whole drug abuse system and everything like that, I think that's a great film to watch. Finally, I need to get into horror films because because when I'm t- when I think about horror films, I can name like three popular horror films and be like, yeah, they're genuinely good. Because when I go on like Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever with my mum, because we're massive horror film fans. Like every single night we watch a new horror and we've ran out. Yesterday we ran out of horror films to watch. And we'll go on Netflix and Amazon Prime and we'll be like, oh yeah, we'll just put this horror film on. And it'll be the greatest, the worst waste of two hours of our lives we'll never get back again. Because 90% of horror films that you watch are rubbish. They genuinely are. The only ones that I can genuinely recommend that I find scary, whether it's just me or not, I would say The Conjuring 2... I think the Conjuring films are great, the first two. But the second one, I genuinely found that harrowing. Like, I could not sleep for, like, two weeks. And I don't get scared at horror films. That's not even me being like, I don't get scared at horror films. But I gen- I just don't. I just, I love horror films. I think they're great. I just, afterwards, I'm like, oh, that was good. Then I don't really get scared. Um, another horror film that I think is really good, uh, Sinister. I think it was kind of good. It wasn't, like, majorly scary, but it was, like, a good storyline um oh my god hush and the strangers i know these are both on netflix i think when me and my mum went to watch hush because it's because it's like it's so cliche it's like the blind woman is getting broken into by a guy with a mask and you kind of think to yourself like oh my god like that's so cliche that's so boring that's so like predictable but it's incredible it's so good it's actually really scary um and the strangers it's harrowing because you never see the intruder's faces because they have masks on. And I we found that really scary. And we've watched, I think we worked out, we watched 117 horror films. I would say another great recommendation that's kind of, it's a good horror film for like everyone. You know what I mean? Like it's a modern horror film, which I really hate. Modern for horror, for horror, horror films. But The Invisible Man, which stars... The lady from the Handmaid's Tale TV series. Um, it's exactly what it says it is. It is it is a woman who is escaping her her science science guy. Science guy, that's a really bad way of putting it. Um, like mansion, she's trapped in it, she runs away, and then she kind of like gets followed around by her invisible husband. So next one is Ready or Not. Now that one is kind of it reminds me of Knives Out. It's definitely not a horror film, but it's like a thriller. Like it kind of it gets you like psyched up because she's like running around the house and you're like, whoa! Like this is so cool. It's just kind of cool because it's like it's fun, you know. The next one is The Babadook. Now this one, when me and my mum watched it for the first time, it's not necessarily scary. Like it's your average horror where they get haunted by something and it's weird. But after we finished towards the end, I was like, wait, I feel like there's some kind of symbolism behind it. And we Googled it and we were like, oh my God. Like, that's what made the film really good. The symbolism behind it is that, you know, she lost her husband. And this Babadook, there's like a whole, he has like this song, whatever. But he is a microcosm for her grief. Like, he is a symbol for her pain and everything that she can't get past because of her husband's passing. The next one is a good old Hollywood recommendation. Alfred Hitchcock again. Um, Psycho. Now, oh my God, Psycho is like the most famous horror film of all time. It's, 
I feel like a lot of people are kind of scared to get into old Hollywood films because it's like, oh god, that's boring. Psycho's great. Psycho's really good. Um, I've watched that film like five times. It's bloody brilliant. Uh, the next one. Okay, now I'm gonna get into unpopular opinions. The Shining. Boring. I honestly don't get when film bros go on about. I understand Quentin Tarant some of Quentin Tarantino's films because I think that he's a really cool director. Like if I could ever star in one ever star in a director's films, it would be Quentin Tarantino. Because I think all his films are just so bloody cool. I think they're awesome. Like Kill Bill, so bloody cool. But The Shining is like the film broy film. Like everyone's like, oh my god, guys, you literally should love Stanley Stanley Kubrick. Stanley. Um However, The Shining to me, I was just like, what is the, like, I don't get it. I don't get why people love this film so much. He also, like, emotionally abused Shelley Duvall in this film. He made her do one take, like, it was between 50 to 100 times again. A take where she's crying, but she's genuinely crying because he was horrible to her. Uh, So uh, that's not really a great horror film to recommend. I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying unpopular opinion. But the last one is The Boy. That was a really creepy film. It was weird. It's It's got a doll in it. I hate films with dolls in it. So if you hate films with dolls in it, but you find it scary, watch The Boy. Because it's kind of, it's just weird. It's kind of scary as well. That was it for my general film recommendations. I would love to go into more specific like film episodes, like directly on old Hollywood. Or I could go into, I don't know, horror films, romance films, film recommendations for a sad day, film recommendations for a good day, or I don't know, like my favourite modern films, favourite event films, I could go into French New Wave, whatever, or the best book adaptations, which aren't very many, but just let me know, because I'd love to do any of those, I just want to hear it, if you guys enjoyed this episode, I feel like it's probably going to be long, but yeah, I hope you really like this episode and I hope you find it useful. If you watch any of these films, make sure to let me know. Let me know what you think of them, what your favourite ones. But I hope you have a wonderful day. I love you so, so much. Bye. Thank you for listening. Mwah.